Act Two of The Two Gentlemen of Verona. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Two Gentlemen of Verona by William Shakespeare. Act Two. Scene One. Milan, the Duke's Palace. Enter Valentine and Speed. Sir, your glove. Not mine. My gloves are on. Why then, this may be yours, for this is but one. Ha! Let me see. Ay, give it me, it's mine. Sweet ornament that decks a thing divine. Ah, Sylvia. Sylvia. Madam Sylvia! Madam Sylvia! How now, Sirrah? She is not within hearing, sir. Why, sir, who bade you call her? Your worship, sir, or else I mistook. Well, you'll still be too forward. And yet I was last chidden for being too slow. Go to, sir. Tell me, do you know Madam Sylvia? She that your worship loves? Why, how do you know that I am in love? Marry, by these special marks. First, you have learned, like Sir Proteus, to wreathe your arms like a malecontent, to relish a love-song like a robin redbreast, to walk alone like one that had the pestilence, to sigh like a schoolboy that had lost his ABC, to weep like a young wench that had buried her grandam, to fast like one that takes diet, to watch like one that fears robbing, to speak puling like a beggar at Hallamus. You were wont, when you laughed, to crow like a cock, when you walked, to walk like one of the lions, when you fasted it was presently after dinner, when you looked sadly it was for want of money. And now you are metamorphosed with a mistress, that, when I look on you, I can hardly think you my master. Are all these things perceived in me? They are all perceived without ye. Without me they cannot. Without you? Nay, that's certain, for without you were so simple, none else would. But you are so without these follies, that these follies are within you, and shine through you like the water in an urinal, that not an eye that sees you but is a physician to comment on your malady. But tell me, dost thou know my lady Sylvia? She that you gaze on so as she sits at supper? Hast thou observed that? E even she, I mean. Why, sir, I know her not. Dost thou know her by my gazing on her, and yet... Knowest her not? Is she not hard-favoured, sir? Not so fair, boy, as well-favoured. Sir, I know that well enough. What dost thou know? That she is not so fair as of you well-favoured. I mean that her beauty is exquisite, but her favour infinite. That's because the one is painted and the other out of all count. How painted, and how out of count? Marry, sir, so painted to make her fair, that no man counts of her beauty. How esteemest thou me? I account of her beauty. You never saw her since she was deformed. How long hath she been deformed? Ever since you loved her. I have loved her ever since I saw her, and still I see her beautiful. If you love her, you cannot see her, because love is blind. Oh, that you had mine eyes, or your own eyes had the lights they were wont to have when you chid at Sir Proteus for going ungartered. What should I see then? Your own present folly and her passing deformity, for he, being in love, could not see to garter his hose, and you, being in love, cannot see to put on your hose. Belike, boy, then you are in love, for last morning you could not see to wipe my shoes. True, sir. I was in love with my bed. I thank you. You swinged me for my love, which makes me the bolder to chide you for yours. In conclusion, I stand affected to her. 
I would you were set, so your affection would cease. Last night she enjoined me to write some lines to one she loves. And have you? I have. Are they not lamely writ? No, boy, but as well as I can do them. Peace, here she comes. Aside. Oh, excellent motion, oh, exceeding puppet. Now will he interpret to her. Enter Sylvia. Madam and mistress, a thousand good morrows. Aside. Oh, give ye good even, here's a million of manners. Sir Valentine and servant, to you two thousand. Aside. He should give her interest, and she gives it him. As you enjoined me, I have writ your letter unto the secret, nameless friend of yours, which I was much unwilling to proceed in, but for my duty to your ladyship. I thank you, gentle servant. Tis very clerkly done. Now, trust me, madam, it came hardly off, for being ignorant to whom it goes, I writ it random, very doubtfully. Perchance you think too much of so much pains. Uh, no, madam, so I stead you, I will write, please you, command, a thousand times as much, and yet— A pretty period. Well, I guess the sequel. And yet I will not name it. And yet I care not. And yet take this again. And yet I thank you, meaning henceforth to trouble you no more. Aside. And yet you will, and yet another, yet— what means your ladyship do you not like it yes yes the lines are very quaintly writ but since unwillingly take them again nay take them oh madam they are for you ay ay you writ them sir at my request but i will none of them they they are for you i would have had them writ more movingly uh, please you i'll write your ladyship another and when it's writ, for my sake, read it over. And if it please you so, if not, why, so. If it please me, madam, what then? Why, if it please you, take it for your labor. And so, good morrow, servant. Exit. O oh, jest, unseen, inscrutable, invisible, as a nose on a man's face or a weathercock on a steeple. My master sues to her, and she hath taught her suitor, he being her pupil, to become her tutor. O oh, excellent device! Was there ever heard a better, that my master being scribe, to himself should write the letter? How now, sir? What are you reasoning with yourself? Nay, I was rhyming. Tis you that have the reason. Oh, to do what? To be a spokesman for Madame Sylvia. To whom? To yourself. Why, she woos you by a figure. What figure? By a letter, I should say. Why, she hath not writ to me. What need she, when she hath made you write to yourself? Why do you not perceive the jest? No, believe me. No, believing you indeed, sir. But did you perceive her earnest? She gave me none except an angry word. Why, she hath given you a letter. That's the letter I writ to her friend. And that letter hath she delivered, and there an end. I would it were no worse. I'll warrant you tis as well, for often have you writ to her, and she in modesty, or else for want of idle time could not again reply, or fearing else some messenger that might her mind discover, herself hath taught her love himself to write unto her lover. All this I speak in print, for in print I found it. Why muse you, sir? Tis dinner-time. I have dined. 
ay but hearken sir though the chameleon love can feed on the air i am one that am nourished by my victuals and would fain have meat oh be not like your mistress be moved be moved exeunt scene two verona julia's house enter proteus and julia have patience gentle julia i must where there is no remedy when possibly i can i will return if you turn not you will return the sooner keep this remembrance for thy julia's sake giving a ring why then we'll make exchange here take you this and seal the bargain with a holy kiss here is my hand for my true constancy and when that hour o'erslips me in the day wherein i sigh not julia for thy sake the next ensuing hour some foul mischance torment me for my love's forgetfulness my father stays my coming answer not the tide is now nay not thy tide of tears that tide will stay me longer than i should julia farewell exit julia what gone without a word ay so true love should do it cannot speak for truth hath better deeds than words to grace it enter panthino Sir Proteus, you are stayed for. Go, I come. I come. Alas, this parting strikes poor lovers dumb. Exeunt. Scene three. The same. A street. Enter Launce, leading a dog. Nay, twill be this hour ere I have done weeping. All the kind of the Launces have this very fault. I have received my proportion, like the prodigious son, and am going with Sir Proteus to the Imperial's court. I think Crab, my dog, be the sourest-natured dog that lives. My mother weeping, my father wailing, my sister crying, our maid howling, our cat wringing her hands, and all our house in a great perplexity. Yet did not this cruel-hearted cur shed one tear. He is a stone a very pebble stone, and has no more pity in him than a dog. A Jew would have wept to have seen our parting. Why, my grandam, having no eyes, look you, wept herself blind at my parting. Nay, I'll show you the manner of it. This shoe is my father. No, this left shoe is my father. No, no, this, this left shoe is my mother. Nay, that cannot be so neither. Yes, it is so, it is so, it hath the worser soul. This shoe, with the hole in it, is my mother, and this my father. A vengeance aunt. There tis. Now, sit. This staff is my sister, for, look you, she is as white as a lily and as small as a wand. This hat is Nan, our maid. I am the dog. No, the dog is himself, and I am the dog. Oh, the dog is me, and I am myself. Aye, so, so. Now come I to my father. Father, your blessing. Now should not the shoe speak a word for weeping. Now should I kiss my father. Well, he weeps on. Now come I to my mother. Oh, that she could speak now like a wood woman. Well, I kiss her. 
and why, there tis. Here's my mother's breath, up and down. Now come I to my sister, mark the moan she makes. Now, the dog, all this while, sheds not a tear, nor speaks a word, but see how I lay the dust with my tears. Enter Panthino. Launce, away, away, abroad. Thy master is shipped, and thou art to post after with oars. What's the matter? Why weepest thou, man? Away, ass! You'll lose the tide if you tarry any longer. It is no matter if the tide were lost, for it is the unkindest tide that ever any man tied. What's the unkindest tide? Why, he that's tied here, Crab, my dog. Tut, man, I mean thou lose the flood, and in losing the flood lose thy voyage, and in losing thy voyage lose thy master, and in losing thy master lose thy service, and in losing thy service why dost thou stop my mouth? For fear thou shouldst lose thy tongue. Where should I lose my tongue? In thy tail. In thy tail? Lose the tide, and the voyage, and the master, and the service, and the tide. Why, man, if the river were dry, I am able to fill it with my tears. If the wind were down, I could drive the boat with my sighs. Come, come away, man. I was sent to call thee. Sir, call me what thou darest. Wilt thou go? Well, I will go. Exeunt. Scene 4. Milan, the Duke's Palace. Enter Sylvia, Valentine, Thurio, and Speed. Servant. Mistress. Master, Sir Thurio frowns on you. Ay, boy, it's for love. Not of you. Of my mistress, then. Twere good you knocked him. Exit. Servant, you are sad. Indeed, madam, I seem so. Seem you that you are not? Haply, I do. So do counterfeits. So do you. What seem I that I am not? Wise. What instance of the contrary? Your folly. And how quote you my folly? I quote it in your jerkin. My jerkin is a doublet. Why, then, I'll double your folly. How? What? Angry, Sir Thurio. Do you change color? Uh, give him leave, madam. He is a kind of chameleon. That hath more mind to feed on your blood than live in your air. You have said, sir. Ay, sir, and done too, for this time. I know it well, sir. You always end, ere you begin. A fine volley of words, gentlemen, and quickly shot off. Tis indeed, madam, we thank the giver. Who is that, servant? Yourself, sweet lady, for you gave the fire. Sir Thurio borrows his wit from your ladyship's looks, and spends what he borrows kindly in your company. Sir, if you spend word for word with me, I shall make your wit bankrupt. I know it well, sir. You have an exchequer of words, and, I think, no other treasure to give your followers, for it appears by their bare liveries that they live by your bare words. No more, gentlemen, no more. Here comes my father. Enter Duke. Now, daughter Sylvia, you are hard beset. So, Valentine, your father's in good health. What say you to a letter from your friends of much good news? My lord, I will be thankful to any happy messenger from thence. Know ye Don Antonio, your countryman? Ay, my good lord, I know the gentleman to be of worth and worthy estimation, and not without desert so well reputed. Hath he not a son? Ay, my good lord, a son that well deserves the honour and regard of such a father. You know him well? I know him as myself, for from our infancy we have conversed and spent our hours together. 
and though myself have been an idle truant omitting the sweet benefit of time to clothe mine age with angel-like perfection yet hath sir proteus for that's his name made use and fair advantage of his days his years but young but his experience old his head unmellowed but his judgment ripe and in a word for far behind his worth comes all the praises that i now bestow he is complete in feature and in mind with all good grace to grace a gentleman beshrew me sir but if he make this good he is as worthy for an empress's love as meet to be an emperor's counsellor well sir this gentleman is come to me with commendation from great potentates and here he means to spend his time awhile i think tis no unwelcome news to you should i have wished a thing it had been he welcome him then according to his worth sylvia i speak to you and you sir thurio for valentine i need not cite him to it i will send him hither to you presently exit this is the gentleman i told your ladyship had come along with me but that his mistress did hold his eyes locked in her crystal looks belike that now she hath enfranchised them upon some other pawn for fealty nay sure i think she holds them prisoners still nay then he should be blind and being blind how could he see his way to seek out you why lady love hath twenty pair of eyes they say that love hath not an eye at all to see such lovers thurio as yourself upon a homely object love can wink have done have done here comes the gentleman exit thurio enter proteus welcome dear proteus mistress i beseech you confirm his welcome with some special favour his worth is warrant for his welcome hither if this be he you oft have wished to hear from mistress it is sweet lady entertain him to be my fellow-servant your ladyship too low a mistress for so high a servant not so sweet lady but too mean a servant to have a look of such a worthy mistress leave off discourse of disability sweet lady entertain him for your servant my duty will i boast of nothing else and duty never yet did want his meed servant you are welcome to a worthless mistress i'll die on him that says so but yourself that you are welcome that you are worthless re-enter thurio madam my lord your father would speak with you i wait upon his pleasure come sir thurio go with me once more new servant welcome i'll leave you to confer of home affairs when you have done we look to hear from you we'll both attend upon your ladyship exeunt sylvia and thurio now tell me how do all from whence you came your friends are well and have them much commended and how do yours i left them all in health how does your lady and how thrives your love my tales of love were wont to weary you i know you joy not in a love discourse ay proteus but that life is altered now i have done penance for condemning love whose high imperious thoughts have punished me with bitter fasts with penitential groans with nightly tears and daily heart-sore sighs for in revenge of my contempt of love love hath chased sleep from my enthralled eyes and made them watchers of mine own heart's sorrow 
o gentle proteus loves our mighty lord and hath so humbled me as i confess there is no woe to his correction nor to his service no such joy on earth now no discourse except it be of love now can i break my fast dine sup and sleep upon the very naked name of love enough i read your fortune in your eye was this the idol that you worship so even she and is she not a heavenly saint no but she is an earthly paragon call her divine i will not flatter her oh flatter me for love delights in praises when i was sick you gave me bitter pills and i must minister the like to you then speak the truth by her if not divine yet let her be a principality sovereign to all the creatures on the earth except my mistress sweet except not any except thou wilt accept against my love have i not reason to prefer mine own and i will help thee to prefer her too she shall be dignified with this high honour to bear my lady's train lest the base earth should from her vesture chance to steal a kiss and of so great a favour growing proud disdain to root the summer swelling flower and make rough winter everlastingly why valentine what braggardism is this pardon me proteus all i can is nothing to her whose worth makes other worthies nothing she is alone then let her alone not for the world why man she is mine own and i as rich in having such a jewel as twenty seas if all their sand were pearl the water nectar and the rocks pure gold forgive me that i do not dream on thee because thou seest me dote upon my love my foolish rival that her father likes only for his possessions are so huge is gone with her along and i must after for love thou knowest is full of jealousy but she loves you ay and we are betrothed nay more our marriage hour with all the cunning manner of our flight determined of how i must climb her window the ladder made of cords and all the means plotted and greed on for my happiness good proteus go with me to my chamber in these affairs to aid me with thy counsel go on before i shall inquire you forth i must unto the road to disembark some necessaries that i needs must use and then i'll presently attend you will you make haste i will exit valentine even as one heat another heat expels or as one nail by strength drives out another so the remembrance of my former love is by a newer object quite forgotten is it mine or valentine's praise her true perfection or my false transgression that makes me reasonless to reason thus she is fair and so is julia that i love that i did love for now my love is thawed which like a waxen image gainst a fire bears no impression of the thing it was methinks my zeal to valentine is cold and that i love him not as i was wont oh 
but I love his lady too, too much, and that's the reason I love him so little. How shall I dote on her with more advice, that thus, without advice, begin to love her? Tis but her picture I have yet beheld, and that hath dazzled my reason's light. But when I look on her perfections, there is no reason but I shall be blind. If I can check my erring love, I will. If not, to compass her I'll use my skill. Exit. Scene five. The same. A street. Enter Speed and Launce severally. Launce, by mine honesty, welcome to Millen. Forswear not thyself, sweet youth, for I am not welcome. I reckon this always, that a man is never undone till he be hanged, nor never welcome to a place till some certain shot be paid and the hostess say, Welcome. Come on, you madcap. I'll to the alehouse with you presently, where for one shot of five pence thou shalt have five thousand welcomes. But, sirrah, how did thy master part with Madame Julia? Mary, after they closed in earnest, they parted very fairly in jest. But shall she marry him? No. How then? Shall he marry her? No, neither. What? Are they broken? No, they are both as whole as a fish. Why then, how stands the matter with them? Mary thus. When it stands well with him, it stands well with her. What an ass art thou! I understand thee not. What a block art thou that thou canst not! My staff understands me. What thou sayest? Ay, and what I do too. Look thee, I'll but lean, and my staff understands me. It stands under thee, indeed. Why, stand under and understand is all one. But, tell me true, wilt be a match? Ask my dog. If he say I, it will. If he say no, it will. If he shake his tail and say nothing, it will. The conclusion is then that it will. Thou shalt never get such a secret from me but by a parable. Tis well that I get it so. But, Launce, how sayest thou that my master has become a notable lover? I never knew him otherwise. Then how? A notable lover, as thou reportest him to be. Why, thou horse and ass, thou mistakest me. Why, fool, I meant not thee, I meant thy master. I tell thee, my master is become a hot lover. Why, I tell thee, I care not though he burn himself in love. If thou wilt, go with me to the alehouse. If not, thou art an Hebrew, a Jew, and not worth the name of a Christian. Why? Because thou hast not so much charity in thee as to go to the ale with a Christian. Wilt thou go? <laughs> At thy service. Exeunt. Scene six. The same. The Duke's palace. Enter Proteus. To leave my Julia, shall I be forsworn? To love fair Sylvia, shall I be forsworn? To wrong my friend, I shall be much forsworn, and even that power which gave me first my oath provokes me to this threefold perjury. Love bade me swear, and love bids me forswear. Oh, sweet! suggesting love if thou hast sinned 
teach me thy tempted subject to excuse it at first i did adore a twinkling star but now i worship a celestial sun unheedful vows may heedfully be broken and he wants wit that wants resolved will to learn his wit to exchange the bad for better fie fie unreverend tongue to call her bad whose sovereignty so oft thou hast preferred with twenty thousand soul confirming oaths i cannot leave to love yet i do but there i leave to love where i should love julia i lose and valentine i lose if i keep them i needs must lose myself if i lose them thus find i by their loss for valentine myself for julia sylvia i to myself am dearer than a friend for love is still most precious in itself and sylvia witness heaven that made her fair shows julia but a a swarthy ethiop i will forget that julia is alive remembering that my love to her is dead and valentine i'll hold an enemy aiming at sylvia as a sweeter friend i cannot now prove constant to myself without some treachery used to valentine this night he meaneth with a corded ladder to climb celestial sylvia's chamber window myself in council his competitor now presently i'll give her father notice of their disguising and pretended flight who all enraged will banish valentine for thurio he intends shall wed his daughter but valentine being gone i'll quickly cross by some sly trick blunt thurio's dull proceeding love lend me wings to make my purpose swift as thou hast lent me wit to plot this drift exit scene seven verona julia's house enter julia and lucetta counsel lucetta gentle girl assist me and even in kind love I do conjure thee, who art the table wherein all my thoughts are visibly charactered and engraved, to lessen me, and tell me some good mean how, with my honour, I may undertake a journey to my loving Proteus. Alas, the way's wearisome and long. A true devoted pilgrim is not weary to measure kingdoms with his feeble steps, much less shall she that hath love's wings to fly and when the flight is made to one so dear of such divine perfection as sir proteus better forbear till proteus make return oh knowest thou not his looks are my soul's food 
pity the dearth that I have pined in, by longing for that food so long a time. Didst thou but know the inly touch of love, thou wouldst as soon go kindle fire with snow as seek to quench the fire of love with words. I do not seek to quench your love's hot fire, but qualify the fire's extreme rage, lest it should burn above the bounds of reason. Ah, oh, the more thou damst it up, the more it burns. The current that with gentle murmur glides, thou knowest, being stopped, impatiently doth rage. But when his fair course is not hindered, he makes sweet music with the enamelled stones, giving a gentle kiss to every sedge he overtaketh in his pilgrimage. And so by many winding nooks he strays with willing sport to the wild ocean. Then let me go, and hinder not my course. I'll be as patient as a gentle stream, and make a pastime of each weary step, till the last step have brought me to my love. And there I'll rest, as after much turmoil a blessed soul doth in Elysium. But in what habit will you go along? Not like a woman for I would prevent the loose encounters of lascivious men. Gentle Lucetta, fit me with such weeds as may beseem some well-reputed page. Why, then, your ladyship must cut your hair. No, girl, I'll knit it up in silken strings with twenty-odd conceited true-love knots. To be fantastic may become a youth of greater time than I shall show to thee. What fashion, madam, shall I make your breeches? <laughs> that fits as well as, tell me, good my lord, what compass will you wear your farthingale? Why, even what fashion thou best likest, Lucetta. You must needs have them with a codpiece, madam. Out, out, Lucetta, that would be ill-favoured. A round hose, madam, now's not worth a pin, unless you have a codpiece to stick pins on. Lucetta, as thou lovest me, let me have what thou think'st meet, and is most mannerly, but tell me, wench, how will the world repute me for undertaking so unstayed a journey? I fear me it will make me scandalized. If you think so, then stay at home and go not. Nay, that I will not. Then never dream on infamy, but go. If Proteus like your journey when you come, no matter who's displeased when you are gone, I fear me he will scarce be pleased with all. That is the least, Lucetta, of my fear. A thousand oaths, an ocean of his tears, and instances of infinite of love warrant me welcome to my Proteus. All these are servants to deceitful men. Base men that use them to so base effect. But truer stars did govern Proteus's birth. His words are bonds, his oaths are oracles, his love sincere, his thoughts immaculate, his tears pure messengers sent from his heart his heart as far from fraud as heaven from earth. Pray heaven he prove so when you come to him. Now, as thou lovest me, do him not that wrong to bear a hard opinion of his truth. Only deserve my love by loving him. And presently go with me to my chamber, to take a note of what I stand in need of, to furnish me upon my longing journey. All that is mine I leave at thy dispose, my goods, my lands, my reputation. Only in lieu thereof dispatch me hence. Come, answer not, but to it presently. I am impatient of my tarriance. Exeunt. End of Act Two.